This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> I'm Rachel Jacobs. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And uh, Mary is with us in spirit in the bar room. That's right. We're here at uh, Fifth Hammer Brewing Company for the April Fool's edition of the New York City Ferments meetup group. And it's been an awesome night. It's a cool night. Rachel, you've been here for, for most of it, and uh, you talked to a lot of our friends. What yeah. Tonight, there were a lot of fermenters here tonight. Um, I think this is the biggest crowd that we've ever, uh, that I've ever seen here. And uh, some of the regulars here also said uh, it was the most people they've ever seen, about uh, maybe 30 or 40 people uh, who all brought interesting ferments. The uh, theme tonight was foolish ferments, meaning something that looked like it was different than it was or it's something you didn't expect. And uh, people definitely delivered on that. So I love that. What were some of your favorites? Or not favorites. What were some it was some standouts of, of the foolish of Tom Foolery, of firm firm foolery, um, as it were. So somebody last week uh, started a trend of very interesting fermented cookies. Uh, these are cookies with ferments in them. So uh, tonight there were some tahini, sauerkraut cookies, as well as peanut butter uh, cookies stuffed with uh, fermented nut cheeses, Whoa. which is very interesting. There was also uh, fermented sourdough banana bread. That was very good. So there are a lot of good sweets, uh, and also like some good kimchi pancakes, all sorts of stuff like that. I'm excited to hear from them. Yeah. You should have some of the leftovers. They're pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's go. <laughs> Hello. We are at the uh, New York City Fermentation Meetup, and we have a collection of people who made, collaborated to make a mistake into some delicious, delicious mistakes. Uh, can I get all of your names? My name is Juliana. Paige. Candida. Uh, what did you guys make today? Let's uh, start one at a time. Okay. The attempt was to make cream fraiche uh, with kombucha, but it went wrong. So it became a butter that then became a muffin, a pink muffin. <laughs> so uh, how did, what was the process in making that? I mixed um, heavy cream with kombucha and I waited to ferment for three days. And that, at that point, it was okay. Um, but then I wanted to mix a little bit of honey, like a pink honey with it, and it separated, the fat separated, so it became butter. That's why it turned into a muffin in the end. What made you decide to culture uh, a milk with um, heavy cream, sorry, with, um, with kombucha instead of like anything else? It was what I had at home, and I wanted to do something in three days, so I think that was available. So that was the decision. And how long have you been fermenting for? Um, I don't do. I do it on and off for a couple of years, but on and off. I don't have any preference of ferments to make. It's for fun. Thank you. All right, Paige. What did you bring? 
I helped finish baking the muffins, but then um, I've been brewing kombucha for a few years, so I brought a cherry kombucha and a turmeric ginger kombucha. Uh, and tell me a little bit about the process uh, in that. Uh, how long have you had your mother for? Gosh, um, I think I got my mother in, what year was it? 2015? 2000, end of 2015? Um, yeah, I'm from Kansas originally, so I, I drove it up here with me. So it's still going. So it's a Kansas mother. Yeah, it's a Kansas mother. Um, but yeah, the brewing process, I usually let it sit from anywhere for 10 to um, 14 days for the first fermentation. And then I separate it from the mother and seal it in a bottle with whatever sort of flavor for anywhere from three to seven days, depending on how much, um, what's the word, um, carbonation that I want. I was going to ask about the effervescence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And how long have you how long have you been fermenting for? Is that like what you usually make? That is what got me started on fermenting was kombucha. So yeah, about as long as I've had it. Thank you, uh, Candida. Hi. How long have you been fermenting for? Did you bring something tonight? Yes. Uh, so I've been fermenting for about three years, and tonight I brought a sourdough banana bread. Yeah, I started my own sourdough with um, sorghum flour. And then I did that with almond flour and cassava flour and oat flour. And I did a little sauce with a, like a reduction of kombucha and a smoked banana to go on top. God, it was really good. How did you get, um, so how did the sourdough like um, interact with the kind of alternative flours? It was good. I think... Um, in the end, the cake didn't turn out so sweet because the banana bread didn't get sweet because the culture kind of ate away the a little bit of the maple that I that I used. But it's still okay. That's why I did like a separate sauce to go with it. I think it worked out. Oh uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, what's the favorite thing that you had tonight aside from your own banana bread? I love the tempeh bacon, and but the cheese, the nut cheeses are the best. All right, thank you guys so much. All right, hello. Oh, oh no. Well, you can tell me what you are uh, eating. I'm eating cassava sourdough with vegan salsa smoked bacon um, mush on top. <laughs> How was it? Uh, it was fantastic. That was my second go at it. What did you make for us today? Also, what is your name and uh, what did you bring today? Hi, I'm Gabrielle, and today I brought two vegan cheeses, and I also brought cookies that I made with ferments. Um, one is a tahini sauerkraut cookie, and the other one was a vegan cheese peanut butter stuffed cookie. That is a lot. Uh, let's start with the let's start with the sauerkraut cookie um, with the tahini sauerkraut cookie. Uh, first, tell me a little bit about your process and how you made it. Sure. So I made a batch of caraway sauerkraut about three months ago, and the theme for this month was April Fool's Day. I couldn't really think of anything to go along with the theme, so I thought, why don't I just try something unusual? So I took the sauerkraut juice and some of the sauerkraut cabbage and mixed it in with tahini, maple syrup, and flour to come up with a cookie. That is really interesting. Do you usually make tahini uh, cookies, or like where did that concept come from? To be honest, I'm not really much of a baker, <laughs> so I just thought of random ingredients and tried to throw them together. I thought the tahini might kind of balance out the sauerkraut a little bit and make it a little more palatable, kind of like a flavor in between to make the cookie something people would want to eat. Certainly the tahini flavor was very strong in the cookie. Uh, how do you think they came out? 
Uh, I really like them. Um, I, I even thought I left some of the actual cabbage in it, and it was kind of a nice little crunch that baked into the cookie. Yeah, if I didn't know that was in there, I would have been like, what is happening? <laughs> but like the tahini cookie itself is like very chewy, very like, I like that sesame paste flavor. Thank you. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the other cookies that have vanished without a trace. <laughs> um, the other cookies were peanut butter cookies that I stuffed with vegan cheese. So I had made a vegan cheese a couple weeks ago, and I formed a cookie and put a little pocket in it and stuffed the vegan cheese inside and sandwiched another cookie on top. Um, I don't really know where I was going with that or why I had that idea. I just <laughs> Last night I was trying to come up with something to bring today, and that's what came out of my head. Because cheese and peanut butter don't usually like maybe you don't want to eat them together, but um, yeah, it's like cheese made of nuts is more nuts, and uh, I heard they came out really good. Yeah, it was almost like a vanilla frosting, uh, but not quite as sweet, stuffed inside the cookie. Do you think you're going to make more interesting cookies in the future? Potentially, uh, considering how much I like the way the peanut butter one turned out, I might try to play with that recipe a little bit more and maybe add some chocolate or something to it. Sounds really great. What's the favorite thing that you uh, had tonight? Uh, the favorite thing that I had tonight was definitely the vegan salsa smoked bacon mush. I thought that came out really good, and it was really good on any of the bread and the kimchi pancakes that other people had brought. It really does say mush. It, it really does say mush on the label. Now, since uh, the theme tonight was April Fool's, was there anything that you that really surprised you? No, I can't really say that that was the case. Um, no. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, hello, what is your name and what did you bring tonight? Well, my name is Mandy and tonight I brought kimchi pofferches. Um, pofferches is a... What is that word? It's a, it's a Dutch dish. Today I, I looked up again if there's, if there's a translation, but uh, it's, it's just translated as uh, Dutch mini pancakes. Um, uh, yeah, and then with kimchi. So they have um, kimchi, some scallions in it, some uh, tamari, some uh, egg. Yeah, that's that's it. Right, uh, brown rice flour. And how are they traditionally made? And uh, what are they like? I've never heard of these before. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please educate me on uh, traditional Dutch food. First of all, how do you spell the word, even in, in Dutch or in English? Uh, P O F F E R T um, G E S. Yeah. Uh, and how are they? Yeah. What are they traditionally made with? And and when do you eat them? They're they're not fermented or anything. Yeah. They're just um, flour and eggs and water, I guess, and then baked, and then you have them with some uh, butter and um, powdered sugar. Yeah. So they're usually a sweet a kind sweet of dish. Yeah, yeah. And you have them like for breakfast? Um, yeah, you can, or for lunch, or as a snack. I guess as a snack. Yeah. So what what made you want to put kimchi in them in these in this particular dish? It had, yeah, they had to uh, have something fermented. Yeah. <laughs> so you chose a traditionally unfermented dish and just put a fermented thing in it. Um. No, no, not that often, but this time I was like, okay, kimchi pancakes and then something foolish, okay, I'll make pofferches with it. That's, that's how I came up with this. Well, yeah. they came out delicious. Did you make the kimchi? I did, yes, uh, one and a half years ago. Can you tell me about the process of how you made your kimchi? 
I know it was a year and a half ago, but it's a year and a half ago, but I remember. Yeah, I, I took a napa cabbage and some carrots and ginger, um, chili flakes. Um, what else? Garlic, and I I made it a bit too spicy for myself actually. <laughs> I'm not such a yeah, I can't handle the heat so well. So that's why it stayed in my fridge for such a long time. But um, yeah, now it's done. Well, they came out really good in the pancakes. Thanks, yeah. Was there any fish sauce in it? No, no, there wasn't. No, it wasn't a very um, um, interesting ferment, actually. It didn't have like, very interesting ingredients. Doesn't matter if it has interesting ingredients. You can still make something delicious, which you did. True. Thank you. Thank you. How long have you been fermenting for? Uh, well, I think that was the first thing that I made. Yeah. A year and a half. Yeah. Have you made anything else since then? Uh, some more kimchi, sauerkrauts. Um, that's yeah. That's it. And and I like to pickle things. Yeah. That sounds really great. Um, what's your favorite thing that you had to eat tonight? Mm. Oh, I love the um, uh, sourdough banana breads because it was like banana bread ten, tends to be kind of like overly sweet, but this, yeah, this was really nice. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Jimmy Carboni, and I'm the host of Beer Sessions Radio here on HRN. My show is an audio ale salon celebrating the world of craft beer, cider, food, and more. Through discussions with industry insiders and knowledgeable beer fans, my friends and I explore every aspect of the brewer's craft, from grains to pint glass and tasting to toasting. You can find Beer Sessions Radio wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. to me to find a recipe in my family cookbook for you know a fermented soup it's I guess it was the forerunner of borscht it looks like it's called Russell and it's I mean I haven't had a chance to try it yet but it's made of beets and it says you ferment them for a month and you keep skimming off the scum on the and I have, yeah, so my mother who was my mother who's just turned 95 um, we were celebrating her birthday and so this was her aunt and I asked her if she remembered the soup and she said it didn't we had it on Passover as an alternative to hot soup because in the recipe it says you can make it hot or cold it's called Russell but it looks like it's borscht um, anyway she said it wasn't very good I think it must have been fermented <laughs> Ouch. Uh, anyway, uh, let, let's go. Let's. We'll come back to that in a second. Uh, uh, 
Tell us your name and what you made today. My name is Stephanie, and I made fermented haroset in honor of Passover. <laughs> Which is not for another four weeks, three weeks, thank goodness, because I am not prepared. Yeah, tell me about um, the tradition of haroset uh, and uh, what it's usually made of and what you've made today. So haroset traditionally is not fermented. It's made of, or at least the Ashkenazi version, is walnuts and Manischewitz wine and apples and cinnamon. Yeah, and we put in a lot of cinnamon anyway. Um, so this version was, I mean, was similar. It was apples, sour apples, three of them, and then dried fruit. I used dates and figs and raisins and a cinnamon stick and cloves and cardamom, cloves, cardamom, cinnamon, um, maybe that was, and, and cayenne, which I just put in today. And I didn't add the nuts until today. So then it was covered in, in honey and, the, and it had um, a quarter of a cup of wine and a quarter of a cup of pomegranate juice but you could use all pomegranate juice or all wine, but I used the Manischewitz and the pomegranate juice. And then um, two pounds of honey. So it's all chopped up and then every day you stir it. So the apples kind of bob up, they get lighter. And um, so you're sort of recombining everything in the honey. And you could ferment it for up to a month, but I got the, I, I started it about a week ago. So it fermented for a week. And then I drained, to serve it, I drained the honey. So I'm gonna use that honey and make Kerosis honey mead. That sounds delicious. Um, what kind of honey did you use? Uh, is it like a local or was it just like Golden Blossom? A, a local, I don't remember which one it was. It was the biggest jar of honey that I found in my pantry. That sounds excellent. Where did you get the recipe from, or did like? I, I found it online. I mean, I was looking for a fermented haroset, or if such a thing existed, and I found it online. And the guy who the recipe came from also suggested fermenting horseradish, which he said takes at least several weeks. So I'm going to actually, I got the horseradish, but I haven't had a chance to do that. And that's just with salt. It's just a traditional simple ferment. I would imagine that that makes it way less bitter. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. We'll have to reconvene next meeting and see. Are you going to serve they... them both at your Seder, you think? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. The haroset was really, really delicious. Oh, um, I'd actually like to ask a little bit about um, the tradition of putting uh, dried fruits in a haroset. Uh, my family does not do that for some reason. Um, and that's like a tradition in your family? Oh, so no, I think that's the, the Sephardic Kharosa tends to have a lot of dried fruit and the Ashkenazi doesn't. Um, but I was thinking of having both this year because I just, I don't know, I, I like, I love dried fruits and I like the idea of them at the Seder table. Uh, have you ever heard of the uh, Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook? No. So it is a book that is from, uh, it must be from the 50s or 60s. Um, a woman wrote it uh, in Vilna. She's uh, in a um, villainous. Uh, and it's like a kosher vegetarian cookbook. And it actually has some interesting ferments in it. Um, 
Yeah, I used to have a copy. My roommate had a copy, and I don't live with her anymore. But um, a friend of mine reviewed it uh, for Tablet Magazine, I think, a long, about a year and a half ago. Um, and there's a whole section about uh, fermentations or, like, uh, drinks, like alcoholic drinks. Yeah. Last summer, I was making beet kvass. And did I tell you that? Oh, anyway, I was making beet kvass, and we have a house in the Berkshires. So it was on the counter, and it was covered with a coffee filter, and we went out. And when we came home, a bear had come into my kitchen, and the bear put its paw on the beet kvass. So there was this big purple popcorn, and then he proceeded to take his purple paw all the way up and down my kitchen, so I knew every place he had been. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, but the most interesting thing, thing about this cookbook um, is that in that section where they have like the fermentations, um, so the woman whose name uh, escapes me, and I'll have to fill it in before this episode airs because um, she deserves credit for it, she didn't like write down any recipes. She kind of did it by ear, and the editor kind of figured it out after talking to her. And so a lot so of the fermentation... Quantities? So it sometimes does, but they are also usually very... Uh, vague so a lot of the recipes for like mead will call for just like add this amount of water to this amount of honey just let it ferment oh it sounds good so they she used honey for her fermentation uh, she there's some mead cookbook yeah. some mead recipes in there and also some wine recipes in there uh, black currant wine is one that I can remember offhand sounds fabulous it's very interesting because uh, the recipes seem to imply that it was normal to have like a thing in your basement where you would just ferment your own wines. Just like my aunt in the in my yes. tradition, she had her fermentation crock that she put the beets in. And, yeah. so interesting that we don't like have that. I mean, this group does, but uh, yeah. so not. It's not so much of a tradition right. in in America, I guess. So yeah, I forget if I said this earlier, but the that that borscht, the fermented borscht, was called Russell. So she referred to the fermented beets that she made that she put into the soup as Russell, but she also called the soup Russell. And it was a hot version and a cold version. And I haven't had time yet to search and see if, I don't know. Well, if you find any more information, uh, we'll definitely talk about it sometime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what was your favorite thing that you had tonight? Um, I think. The smoked banana sauce on that bread. Did you taste that? It was really good, yeah. Yeah, it was delicious. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's always nice to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Hello, this is Rachel back in the studio uh, with the actual information for the Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook. Uh, so it was actually written in the 1930s, so pre-war, by Fania Lawando. Uh, who also ran a vegetarian restaurant in uh, Vilnius, Lithuania. And it was translated from the Yiddish by Eve Jaknowitz. And the book itself came out in 2015. And you can get it wherever great books are sold. Hello, I'm here with one of the founders or co-founders of the NYC for Men's Meetup group, Zach. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. What did you bring today? I brought a sour cream. Yeah. And how did you make it? I made it, I took about a, a heaping spoonful of commercial crema, Mexican style crema, and mixed that into a pint of heavy cream and just 
give it a little shake just to give it to make sure that it was fully mixed in and then put it on top of my fridge in my kitchen and let it sit um, for almost 24 hours. I would have made it sooner, but I just forgot. I just kind of made it as soon as I remembered. And I, I left the house about four hours ago. It had, been, it had been fermenting for, I don't know, maybe 18 or 20 hours, give or take. And the, the appearance was of fresh heavy cream. Um, and I was like, oh, well, this is not anything inter more interesting than heavy cream. This is not fermented yet, even though there's something going on culturally. It just seems the same. But I took it with me and went about the later half of my day. And then I arrived here in the hopes that, like, oh, it would just, like, thicken up and change. And I opened it up at the beginning of the meetup, and it was it was sour cream. It, it worked. It was still It's still very fresh, but it thickened up. The flavor changed a little bit, and it's... And it was a success. Have you made creme fraiche before? Yeah, I've made it a bunch, actually. How do you yeah. usually make it, and how is this different? Usually, my ideal recipe is a spoonful of sour cream in heavy cream, and I'll let it go for, depending on the temperature of, of my home, anywhere from like a day and a half to three or four days. And towards the end, it gets quite thick and a little bit funky and a little bit sour. Um, but I've, I'm excited to... One thing that I've done is a lot of experimentation with different cultures and different um, types of different bases, different types of cream and different starters, yogurt, buttermilk, and sour cream. A lot with dairy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but this is my favorite style. That's very cool. So you work a lot with dairy, as, as you talked about earlier. Uh, what is your favorite dairy ferment? My favorite dairy ferment overall is cheese. And... Um, what I love to do is buy a commercial. It's, I do what I do. What I love to do the most is a secondary dairy ferment. I'll buy a commercial sheep's or goat's milk feta, um, unwrap it from the package, drain some of the extra the extra brine, and sort of rub the rinds of other interesting cheeses onto the exterior of the feta, then rewrap it. So I'm inoculating it with those cultures. Then rewrap it in um, in wax paper or parchment or cheese paper. Cheese paper, and then let it let it sit. I think there's sort of like a there's a, a, a blurring of all the papers, and I, I don't always distinguish them, but you know sort of a you know uh, one of those waxy papers. Rewrap it and and stick it on top of my fridge. Stick it on top of my fridge or in a cabinet somewhere where it can just kind of be at room temperature, or even maybe like throw it in the cheese drawer of my fridge and then just try and forget about it for anywhere from like one to six months. If it's in the fridge, I'll check on it. I'll give it more time. If it's at room temperature, it'll be, I'll check on it in like a few weeks or a month or two. And then it becomes soft ripened and funky and let the salt flavor dissipate. It's amazing. God, that sounds like a crazy idea. Uh, what's the favorite thing that you had here tonight? My favorite thing tonight was definitely the fermented raisins. Fermented raisins? And yeah, fermented raisins. They looked like black beans, but they tasted like... Yeah, and I expected them to taste like a sweet, sour, maybe like a thick balsamic vinegar or something whiny, but they tasted like, like an old, like deeply umami barley miso. I really thought that they were black beans. Oh, fooled me, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was definitely fooled. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.